If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. So I'm going to say that life is five things. Your life is five things. You see things, you hear things, you think things, you feel emotions, and you feel body sensations. Right? That's your life. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with fellow Canuck, Blaze Kennedy, a little bit later. He's actually just a few hours away from us down in uh, sunny B.C., Probably snowy BC right now. And uh, fantastic chat with Blaze. It's kind of a great timing, you know, as we enter this next lockdown, at least for us in the Northern Hemisphere. And everyone's kind of going through some tough times. We don't talk about COVID too much in this app, but uh, all of the stuff Blaze talks about could definitely help you deal with some stuff if you're having trouble with the whole thing at this point, as most of us are. And we got everybody's favorite podcaster here. Grand, my holidays are all over Dunlop. You ready? <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. I mean, I how to access that. consciousness, right? I mean, this is one of the most important. St. Pauli sent you a new toque. How come you're not wearing it? Uh, I don't know where it is. It doesn't cover your ears. One. Well, it's because I have earbuds in. Uh, does it normally? Or is that just no? How it's a, it's kind of uh, you just it just okay. keeps the top of your bald yeah. head warm. Yeah, really, I just didn't want to brush my hair. Maybe I should trade you the yellow shirt for the orange shirt. Sure. Actually, that dark color looks good on you. You'll be all right. You should be rocking the huscular shirt. You look weird when I wear it. So this is an important show. I'm pretty skinny. Yeah, I know. So I'm wearing it. It's like. Mocking. Okay, let's 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 get through that. Let's tell everybody right. I don't want to talk about America.ca slash swag. Yeah. You got some new stuff on there, don't you? I don't. Oh, somebody put some new stuff on there, didn't they? Bill and Ellie run that. Thank you. Thank you. Did they put some outlawed stuff on there? There's a bunch of outlawed That's stuff. That's our on new there. feed. We, we gotta tell everybody we gotta talk about it. No, we haven't mentioned it oh, on the regular show. What? Oh, you said you don't want to talk about us. That's our show. That's about everybody. You look like you want to do a quote like right now. Uh, Nope. Are you still just kind of looking for one? Uh, Kind of looking for one. I found one. Is it? Yeah. That's a new book. You could read the quote. Did you you put a nice little note in there to us? We got Charlie's uh, new book, Charlie Robinson's new book, Controlled Demolition of the American Empire on the desk. Which is going well. From the founding of the Federal Reserve to 9-11 to the coronavirus pandemic. Or panic. Panic? Panic, it says on there, yeah. I like that. They didn't call it a pandemic. Because they changed the definition of it, didn't they? Anyways, we can talk about all this kind of stuff on our new feed, right? Totally. It's not blocked yet. Great America outlawed. I mean, I wanted to talk about our friend Dave Matheson. Star myths, right? You know, he, he did a little deconstruction of what happened at the Capitol. Deleted. His YouTube video got deleted. So he's in trouble already. Just massive his, purge going on, yeah. 
Just his video? Yeah. Not his channel? I don't think so. So it's good timing for us to be talking about more controversial things on a different platform. So Grimerica Outlawed, honestly, please uh, download it or subscribe. Do what you do to your new podcast feeds, right? Grimerica Outlawed should pop we're up. We're in Spotify now. I've confirmed we're in Spotify at least in the USA. I don't have my phone to check the Canada one. But uh, we weren't in the Canadian one yet the other day. But I know we're in the US one. We're in iTunes. We're in Overcast. I'm not 100% sure that we're 100% available on Android yet. I don't think we've talked about it in our but normal But I do have, yet, right? if you just go to grammericaoutlaw.ca right on the home page, the RSS feed is there. That so you can grab that feed, paste it into your, add it yeah. to your, uh, manually into your podcast player if you want, right? But while I'm publishing this episode, that's on my to-do list to add it to the Google Play Store. Okay get the android people good awesome so yeah, yeah that's where we're going to kind of we're going to kind of split the content a little bit a little more co controversial stuff over there try and um somewhat protect this eight years of work that we've done in grammarica and uh kind of give us a place to rant about deeper shit yeah not worry about ruining this because we never really built this on bitching about the government a whole lot or you know we did from time to time but well we did for covering up vaccines. flying saucers and yeah but, but we didn't know. like it's very uh it's getting a little more tricky it's get it's it's getting a little more tricky and it's also a little more real i guess when it's like going on and well especially like the last couple of days literally since you published this feed what the purge is happening. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. we got to worry about it. we got some strikes on YouTube. And we don't want to... This will... A, it'll solve our in-house argument we've been having about how much COVID to cover. And I mean, I'm with you on a lot of that, that it's important. It's important to talk and about it. And I'm with you shit. on it, too, to try and manifest our positive future without focusing on the negative. So this way we can do both. We yeah. can hopefully manifest a positive future focusing on both negative and positive things. Yeah. We'll have a negative stream for America a lot. Not super negative because we're just be telling you the true stuff. It'll be very conspiratorial. It'll be very medical tyranny. It'll be very anti-vax. It'll be very anti-COVID. Probably by just because of all those things, anti-mainstream and anti-government. Not anti, against. <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but anyway, that's where we're doing all that. We got a separate YouTube channel. Haven't done the bit shoot and everything yet. I mean, we'll start working our way through all that. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, maybe you could do the bit shoot and stuff like that for that one. Sure. Because really, I, nobody does it for Grand America. You used to be able to auto do it, and now you can't. Oh, anymore. really? Yeah. Hmm. But then somebody. Well, we should put both out. on there. We should put both on I there. I don't I mean, have his name. The handy. problem is, bit shoot needs to really fix their format. There's 707 I mean. videos, 708 now or nine to yeah and they're all like a gig each yeah. so there's like a terabyte or more video to, yeah mm. it'll be two terabytes anyway the other thing we got is audiobooks too we published one and we should talk about probably secret societies of all ages book one right that's out there yeah book two will be soon too because i just they just you emailed that me ahead. Back. they emailed me back today with a little hiccup in it oh okay Sorry. We want we wanted to kind of we wanted to because you were make doing some other big ones as well. 
But we wanted to wait and do like a marketing push with all of them. But I mean, really, all we have is you listeners and actually, I might send that one to you so you can listen to it because it's an error I've never got before that's going to require listening to the whole file. No, like a background noise or something like that. But it's not a long file, so even if we had to reread a small portion of it, it wouldn't be bad. Okay. But that usually after that happens is very quick. Like that means you're in the queue. Like when I know when I was doing uh, Mark's book, it was like there was a problem. And then after it was submitted, it was like only a week later and it was live. So hopefully it'll be the same. We'll fix this, get it uploaded in the next couple of days. And in the next couple of weeks, Secret Societies 2 will be live. Secret Societies of All Ages and Countries, Volumes 1 and 2, right? Volumes 1 and 2. One's already for sale. Yeah. I think it's 18 dollarettes. Or credit. Yeah, if you're on Audible. We get paid either way. It's actually not bad. We got a not bad deal with them. We make more with them than, than I think it's like, you know, 40% after fees and stuff, which isn't bad. So if you, it really does support our audiobook endeavors if you go there and use the credits. And make, and a, make a good review, maybe. I mean, even if you don't like review it, review it, review share it with people with that, that you know are into audiobooks. Yeah. Uh, so there's Secret Societies of All Ages and Countries, Volume 1. Volume 2 is coming right away. You know, our best-selling one so far is Esoteric Structure of the Alphabet. I know. That's it's a good, it's an interesting, it. really? And it's, it's super an cheap. interesting book. I, I want to say it's like seven or eight bucks. It's weird when they go back to the like the way these words are pronounced and amongst all different, um, you know, what it tells me is that there's a connective consciousness that we're connected somehow. Like on a lot of this stuff I've been reading, like Hamlet's Mill and the secret teachings of all ages and and uh, secret doctrine. Those it's are this, all in it's, the editing it's process. This, you know, a lot of it seems to be about these old mythologies and old societies that have common threads way, way back, maybe before physically connected. And I think that cl- connected consciousness and the morphic resonance or whatever explains a lot of that. Doctrine and secret teaching of all ages are both very close to i expect those to both be live within the next i'm going to submit them within the next week or so so they should be live within the next couple of months yeah that'd be great Can't wait. so there's no point waiting for those but those monsters. are monstrous books yeah They're both 40 hours yeah actually doctrine's probably gonna be more like 36 and secret teaching of all ages with the notes in there is gonna be about 40 wow yeah they're, they're 38 they're both in wow. between 35 and that's, 40 hours. And that's only books. Secret Doctrine book one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, those, so those will be available soon. You, you probably Those are going to be expensive. So, so you can imagine the work those. we've put into those so yeah. far. And then we got The Essentials of Spirituality. God Man might be coming, too. God Man, the Word the Made Flesh, I was maybe. looking at it the other day, and I'm like, pretty soon it's going to be at a, at a year. Wow, what? I submitted it for review on April 22nd, oh my God. 2020. And since then, this was the first one we submitted. Since then, we've had four books approved. Wow. But no, God, but when I email them, they're like, basically say, don't email us. It's in the queue. Really? Yeah. Once really? it says it's in the queue, it's in okay, the queue. Okay, that's fine. Well, at least you know it's in the queue then. But I don't know. It's like, is it because it says God, man, the word made flesh? It's not a religious book. No, I think it's because it's, it's the got opposite. Like fucking tons of little, like three or four minute chapters. Oh, okay. So it's like a 40, 50 file book. Right. Should have just broken it up into different chunks somehow. Or I don't know. I don't know. You kind of want to follow the you can't legit. Go back you kind of want to follow now. the legit chapters. I mean, you want to be represent representative of the true book. Yeah. So anyway, all those books are there's the three for sale now. 
We'll put a link to them in the show notes. If you just go into your Audible, because the thing about putting a link to it in the show notes is it changes by country. Oh, okay. So it's hard to even share yeah. links. I have to share Canadian and uh, UK. And you could probably search Grimerican Audible, if too. If you just go into Audible and say. search either A, Grimerica, or B, Graham Dunlop, oh. uh, they'll come right up. It gives me the willies. Willie Dillies. Actually, if you search Graham Dunlop, you get everything he's narrated, no, which yeah, is more like six yeah. or seven other books that we've done for other people, which are good content. Some big ones, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've put a lot of effort into this so far. So check that out. Speaking of effort, we put a lot of effort into this show. I think this is going to be episode like 471 or 472 or something. We got the other feed, but I mean, you can support the other feed at the other feed. But if you want to support the other feed, it's Grimerica Outlawed, CA, forward slash support. And here we're grandamerica.ca forward slash support. And they've each got their own separate PayPal accounts for the very reason, just because if we have problems with the PayPal account, well, A, now we'll always have a backup to very quickly fall back on. And B, again, when you're going after vaccines and pharma on a regular basis, which we plan to do with the other feed, then you're very likely going to have, could have issues. Yeah. With those sorts of things. So we're trying to avoid that as much as possible. America.ca slash support. Those are the sorts of things we're up to around here. If you wonder what we're doing, we're sitting on our ass. I mean, and the other thing is we don't have a lot of support. We're not making millions. We just barely get by around here. And uh, America.ca slash support. We're starting off 2021 with a bang, hopefully. Uh, I did want to give another shout out to Sir Candanavia, speaking of support, who was kind enough to send us uh, a nice, healthy chunk of support as well as what's got to be close to a $100 hard copy of The Golden Dawn. Oh, my God, yeah. It was, it's, 65 what a fantastic. U, it's 65 U.S., it says on the back. Oh, it's, it's a fantastic it's book. Amazing. It's a tome. Pictures, it's a true magical tome. pictures tone. are amazing. Have in you the seen book? the full-color pictures in the middle? No, I haven't seen it's the full-color. Oh, I, I, I flicked through it. It's amazing quality. Yeah. So shout-out to Sir Canadian for that. Uh, yeah, grammarica.ca slash support. If you can, when you can, you can sign up for the monthly or do the one-time donation. All that sort of fantastic yeah. stuff. Again, the other stuff, it, the other show is Grammarica Outlawed. If you search that, it's got a YouTube channel. It's got a website, all that fun stuff. Yeah, just download it into your player so we start off with a lot of downloads. Because here's the difficulty with the new feed. We've only got the one we, new episode in there, but there's... Uh, the back catalog of Black Budget is in episodes. there. We've repurposed 45 episodes. No, will be. no. no? I, oh, there's a problem. Oh, as I went through it all, uh, it ended up at 40. Uh, which is annoying, because after doing it all, all once... I just, you, you know how many times I went through it? Uh, what? No, I, I went through it all I very carefully. Oh, my God. I was only at, oh, I'm God. at like minus six. It me hours to go through those notes. <laughs> Still at minus six. What? So then I had to go. No, I redid them all redid that way. No, 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 no. You had episodes that weren't episodes. This is a problem. Ah. Uh, anyways, forty it's episodes in the now. back. But those are old episodes. You probably don't want to listen to those. Some of them are still really there's good. Some good but, ones. but and there's a description the of kind of what they're about. One is good. The Randall no, Carlson. You left that in. I just took out all the names. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good idea. Yeah. So. It, <laughs> what was I going to say? Anyway, check that out. It's its own thing. It's own thing if you like oh, it, that's support what I was it. But here you gotta worry about supporting Grand America. But here's the thing is the thing the reason why it's important to get a lot of the downloads in there, and at least we gotta get a good start off because we're gonna have guests on that feed as well. And and we've always starting in a you couple know, days. We we need guests that we wanna be able to show them that, you know, they're not coming on just for 10, 10 listeners, right? That uh 
our normal feed is up there. But if they agree to go on, I mean, we want to be upfront with them. If they're going in the second, more controversial feed, we still want a lot of listeners, right? We can't just have these guys out there with, with nobody. So, right. And you also hear us advertising that a bit here, just to help that out, especially for the beginning. Yeah. Speaking of which, the other thing I it's did want to ads, mention our own ads, is I mean. Bill and Adam have picked up the 13 questions torch. If you had kind of unsubscribed to that. because Oh, that's a good idea inactivity or anything yes, like that. Those yes. guys are hammering out the episodes again. That has been switched to fully value for value. So you don't have to pay any money. Uh, you now can pay whatever you want. If you want to support just yeah, like huge, America, huge shout out to those guys. Adam and, and Bill are doing a great job. And with that. you get all the stuff for free if, if you see so fit. So if you, even if you listen to them all, you can you know, get all the bonus questions now for free. And the other thing is that link is always in the show notes. 13 questions. It's always there. Totally. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, Gramarica Outlawed. We did the first step where we broke down some of the new New York legislation and uh, some PCR tests and a bunch of different things like that. You guys can check that out if you want. And that's uh, sign up for the newsletter, gramarica.ca slash news. Spam gram like a motherfucker. Uh, let's see. I think I'll start us. I think I'll start us off this week. With a little bit of, uh, with an oldie. Felix says he's going to get us an old Lang Syne jingle for New Year's next year. To go with our Christmas jingle. What was I looking for here now? Oh, yeah. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the crowd. And we got, we'll go to the phone lines. Hey fuckers, it's Sherry from Southern Oregon. I signed up for CAC in Utah. Zion and Bryce Canyon heard on the podcast this morning you had some cancellations. I was wondering if I could upgrade to a floor mattress or a pillow spot. Upgrade from what? What would you be upgrading to a floor mattress from? The car? Maybe camping. She might not want to camp. Yeah. That could be it. I'll I'll uh, I'll just reply to this text at a different time. I probably, probably could have got away without reading that. <laughs> and then we got this other one. COVID vitamin D and C studies. I need that link. Uh, probably in the feed, in the show notes for that one where we read uh, Cures Let Me Count the Ways. Cures, let me count the ways. You can't just text me and ask you to track down a link for you. I mean, they're in the show notes. They're in the show notes of this that is, of that app, though. And you know, actually, if you want to do the best search I've found so far is in the Gramerica app. Oh, okay. Which I think is in. I don't know if that shit's in uh, in uh, iTunes anymore. It's in iTunes for sure. It's in iTunes and it works well. I don't know if it's still in Android or not. We're having trouble there. I should actually look back into that. When did you get that text? Uh, today. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Let me know if the Grimerica app is in the, if there's a Grimerica app for Android, and if not, I'll take a look into fixing it, because we pay for both, so might as well get both. Go to uh, 
COVID-19, how can I cure thee? Let me count the ways from like August. That was one of our episodes. And there's a link in the show notes there. It'll be uh, orthomolecular.org, probably. Yeah, orthomolecular.org. And there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of studies and stuff in the bottom of their article there. Oh, we also got grammarica.ca slash FM now that we just redid to just play the entire back catalog over and over again. Ugh, yep. About 50 gigs of Grammarica, which is about 430 out of 470 episodes we've done that just play over and over again. It takes, it only repeats 10 times a year. 35 days every rotation. So you can safely listen to it, you know, for a month at least without it repeating. (laughs) And then I realized I don't have my phone on me, so uh, I can't do any more social media. I don't. That's okay. I got a couple things anyways. I got, I wanted to go to, uh, I was waiting for you to mention the chats because I do have something uh, from the chats. I love, you know, it's funny. I was going through there thinking about, I'd like to try and make appropriate type things. And Blaze Kennedy is talking about accessing consciousness. Very important exercising a state of awareness and consciousness. So I was browsing through the chats and I went to the sightings and spiritual experiences channel in our chats, grimerica.ca slash chats, right? That's right. One chat. There's an outlawed channel in there for the new feed, but there's only one chat still. This is from Skank Eowlet in sightings and spiritual experiences. This is just, it's kind of a synchronicity in a way, but, and we've, we've, we've had so many of these, but they're so powerful. I have, uh, one of these, a friend recently told me she had been dating a guy for a couple months. He died suddenly a couple weeks ago. Very sad. And she found him. That's sad too. So then she was pulling cards and twice in a row, she got the same card, which said heaven on it with a blue ball with light emanating out of it. So that's great. But then she saw a video Someone posted a few days ago that was of a sun shower and there was a blue orb in the video. Couldn't tell what it was. Then later that morning, she's like feeling sad and she asks for a sign that he's okay. Even thought a rainbow. Shortly after his, his family member sends her a picture of a double rainbow they saw when they arrived on the island that she lives on. Then she met up with his family member and asked them to send her this photo she took of the guy on his phone the first day she hung out with him. She didn't have any other photos of him. They send it to her, and a bit later, and she's looking at it, and there's a blue fucking orb on it right in front of him. So to clarify a hit, the blue orb video she saw and the double rainbow photo was shot from the island she lives on, which is in the San Juans, and she said rainbows are not common there. Also, the photo of him with the orb had been sent to his son, which she had suggested to him because she thought it was a good photo. So she couldn't have got it either way. Any other way, sorry. It's really sad, but she seemed to be feeling better about everything after experiencing all of this. So this came from like a bunch of these sort of stories being shared in that channel. I mean, amazing stuff. I saw the picture, the pictures in there. There's a blue orb right there and all the the blue things from the, his girlfriend, which channel heaven, uh, sightings and spiritual experiences. Excellent. Check it out. Grammarica.ca slash chats. There's over a hundred channels to explore. And I got a operation project for you. Don't if you get, got the jingle, don't get spooked by Congress. Congress is a fucking shit show. Uh, just like move on. There's a hundred other channels to go play in. You don't need to play in Congress, or maybe if you want to play in Congress, that's fine too. Just don't let it uh, 
Don't let Congress chase you out of there. Yeah, we have an amazing bunch of listeners, but it can get it can get a little intense in there sometimes. Oh yeah, well, all the time. <laughs> What's that noise? <laughs> These guys are at like eleven all the time. <laughs> Dish fire, prism, sentry eagle, sigma, mannequin. Artichoke, MK. A fun eleven, though. Operation Project. Project Operation. It's kind of appropriate. You ever heard of Operation Garden Plot? Sounds like a good name to call my spring garden. Yeah, it sounds like it, eh? Did you hear people going around taking away chickens from people? In the UK, I think it was. Oh, no. I thought of you. Did you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. How's your chickens doing? They're great. That's good. They got a couple years out of them still? One was just in the window flapping her Yeah, I saw the yeah. shadow of it. I'll get another two years at least. I'm still getting fucking 20 eggs, or I'm still getting 18 eggs a week. Wow, that's great. Out of those birds, and then we've like two, three weeks past the... That's pretty good. That's more than, that's more than your own. Yeah, that's more bit. than your own. That's more than can feed yourself, right? Really, I mean, two days, two eggs a oh, day. I give let's away say, a lot like of eggs. Yeah, yeah I give away a ton of eggs. Yeah. So, Operation Garden Plot, the Department of Defense, civil. My dis- chickens are fucking well defended. Just in case anyone gets some ideas, <laughs> fuck with my chickens, you'll bring down the wrath upon you. The Department of Defense Civil Disturbance Plan. Okay also known by its cryptonym, Garden Plot, was a general U.S. Army and National Guard plan to respond to major domestic civil disturbances within the United States. The plan was developed in response to civil disorders of the 60s and fell under the control of the U.S. Northern Command, NORTHCOM. It provided federal military and law enforcement assistance to local governments during times of major civil disturbances. The Garden Plot Plan, drafted after the Watts, Newmark, Newark, and Detroit riots, captures the acrimonious times when the document was drawn up. The plot warns against racial unrest as well as anti-draft and anti-Vietnam elements. The Pentagon activated this plot to restore order during the 92 L.A. riots. Garden Plot was superseded by U.S. NORTHCOM Concept Plan, Con Plan 2502 following the September 11th attacks. Under Homeland Security restructuring, it has been suggested that similar models be followed. Oversight of these Homeland Security missions should be provided by the National Guard Bureau based on the long-standing garden plot model in which National Guard units are trained and equipped to support civil authorities in crowd control and civil disturbance missions. Huh. There you have it. Oh, I want to read Rex 84 as well. That's in here. See also Rex 84 and Posse Comitatus Act. What's Rex 84? Rex 84. Oh, short for readiness exercise 1984 was a classified scenario and drill developed by the United States federal government to detain large numbers of U.S. citizens deemed to be national security threats. That's kind of fucking creepy right now you're a total national security threat bro they we all are 70. i'm not no no i'm good <clears throat> in the event I'm that the president kid. declared a national emergency well what if it's not the president but the media and everybody else 
The plan was revealed in detail in a major daily newspaper by reporter Alfonso Chardi in the July 5, 1987 edition of the Miami Herald. Possible reasons for such a roundup were reported to be widespread opposition to a U.S. military invasion, invasion abroad, such as the United States were directly to invade Central America, to combat what the government perceived as subversive activities. The plan also authorized the military to direct ordered movements of civilian populations at state and regional levels, according to Professor Diana Reynolds. Existence of a master military contingency plans, of which Rex 84 was a part, Operation Garden Plot, and a similar earlier exercise, Lantern Spike, were originally revealed by journalist Ron Ridenauer, who summarized his findings in an article in Counterspy. Transcripts from the Iran-Contra hearings in 1987 record the following dialogue between Congressman Jack Brooks, Oliver North's attorney Brendan Sullivan, and Senator Daniel Inouye, the Democratic chair of the Joint Senate Committee. And it, it, uh, it talks about all that. I don't think I want to get into the dialogue, eh? We'll see no, that. you can put that in the show notes. Rex 84, readiness in 1984. Oh, did they pick that year on purpose? Charlie Murphy's brand new book. You know, we've probably heard this. Oh, again, it's just... Did you read the inscription? So what are we going to do about these in the future? Are we going to keep... What? Did you read the inscription? No, I didn't. Should I? On the show or no? No. no, not on the show, but you should read it. It's okay. to you. <laughs> <laughs> no one takes the time to write a book about it to you. It's best to at least. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've probably played these two from Charlie's other book, The Octopus of Global Control, but uh, here we go. Are you ready? Very appropriate. I just flipped open to uh, the chapter on <laughs> calling for a new world order. All right, let's hear it. The New World Order cannot happen without U.S. participation, as we are the most, the single most significant component. Yes, there will be a New World Order, and it will force the United States to change its perceptions. Dr. Oh. I was going to say it was, uh, who's the dude with the K? Kissinger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. World Action Council. April 19th, 1994. Dr. Henry Kissinger. Was he a Nazi? What? Don't say that. You can't say that. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, I sure can. You ready? Here's another one. But was he a Nazi? No. He wasn't a paper clipper? No, I don't think so. Son of a paper clipper? He probably was. No, no. No, I don't think so. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. You ready? Each of us has the hope to build a new world order. Each of us has the hope to build a new world order. George Bush Sr. Close. <laughs> Richard Nixon. Ah. Dick Nix, former Dick president of the United States of America. <laughs> Nicky Nicky. Speaking of Nicky, we love oh, you, Oh, there's an H.W. Bush one right next to it. Oh, that's what I, that's what yeah. I was picking up. Yeah. I don't want to read that too, right? No, I mean, no, now we can good. see a new world order coming into view. That's enough. Uh, that's enough. New, that's enough uh, quotes for today. We already bagged for money. Yep. So I guess we'll just leave you to enjoy this fabulous interview with the wonderful Blaze Kennedy, fellow Canadian just down the road. Uh, fantastic chat. 
right, we've got Blaze Kennedy with us tonight. He's a somatic therapist from the beautiful British Columbia. Not too far away, probably about five or six hour drive through the mountains. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, healing through awareness and consciousness and all kinds of good stuff. Can you just say the the British Columbia? Is it a... What? Is that... It's beautiful British Columbia. Is that what they taught you too? Do they same teacher? What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with that? I don't know. Isn't that like saying the Alberta? I don't know. It's okay. What do you think, Blaze? We've we've frozen up. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, good. Sorry about that. Talking about beautiful British Columbia, where I'm born and raised. There you go. Yeah, me too. So how are you doing in the mountains, snowy mountains right now? Well, we, my wife and I moved here uh, maybe six years ago, and it was a place to go for many reasons. It was wholesome. And it's connected to nature. We needed a place to go, but it's also a place to go when uh, the modern world seems to be more unstable, and uh, that choice is looking uh, really good right now. So... We're tucked away, and we have, you know, a wonderful community here of people that are um, see the world the way that we do, and wow. we love we love to be where we are. So it's a it's a really beautiful place, and I have two young children, and we are. When I look out my window, I see the river, I see the mountains, and uh, yeah, this place has been very good to me. That's great. I read your email that you sent me and looked at your website and all. I'm looking forward to discussing the important topic of how to access consciousness and all that. But I do think, you know, even though you put your your story down at the bottom of the priority list, I think it would be appropriate to start there probably. I, you probably don't like talking to yourself, about yourself, I mean, like me. But I think it's worth it. Let's, let's, let's talk about how you kind of got into this a little bit. I mean, quite simply, I got into this because I, I was kind of cornered in my life. I normally people kind of live with a standard connection to consciousness and they're able to move about their life and get things done and achieve their goals and have healthy relationships. But I I wasn't able really to do any of that. Um, the, the major turning point in my life, I think was when my, my father died unexpectedly when I was 12. Um, and as a teenager, I had no, there was no context for what that meant for me in terms of my trauma or my life. And I just tried to carry on with my life. And, um, I wasn't really functional. I continued to actually lose functionality. I got involved with drugs. Um, and the question forever in my family and in my world was what's wrong with you? What, you know, you have so much potential. Why can't you, why can't you, uh, access that. And I had no idea. And, um, you know, I tried, I tried everything. I just tried going back to school. I, for a while, I decided I wanted to be a professional pool player. I tried to be involved in certain, you know, relationships that would get me, get me through it. And no matter really what I did, I kind of came back to the same place. I just kind of kept collapsing or failing. I couldn't hold it together. Um, and, you know, for me now, I see this as a tremendous grace. It was very lucky. I feel very fortunate. But at the time, I felt miserable. Like there was just, there was something really wrong with me and um, I wasn't able to fix it. I mean, and that's also the good news is that there, I wasn't able to fix it. It made me open to 
other possibilities. I actually kind of got forced into that. I got sent to a treatment facility and um, for, for drug addiction. And what they, what they basically uh, supported me to do was to learn how to tell the truth and to, and to feel myself and to be honest about my thoughts and feelings and what I'd been through. And that's really the only thing I hadn't tried. (laughs) You know, I tried moving forward in my life. I tried, you know, picking up a new hobby or sort of painting another coat on a kind of a rusty ship. But uh, I never really tried going backwards. I never tried really examining what was going on for me. And I, when I was in treatment, I, I remember loving it. Like I, I think I fell in love. It was, it was really clear that I'd, um, you know, I'd found something that was both going to work for me and that um, I was really interested in, you know, I took psychology in university, funny enough, and obviously that didn't help me very much. But when I started to actually be a patient to myself, when I started to do my own research about myself, I sort of fell in love with it. And, you know, after years of being stuck and really not knowing what I could do differently. And um, I just became very excited about the possibility of being able to have power, personal power and change my life. I felt that I was very good at um, being in treatment, which is essentially sharing your feelings, being in group therapy, talking a lot about the challenges you've been through. And when I got out of treatment, I, you know, there, there are all these other people in, in treatment who want to get back to their lives. And, you know, they're like, I have a company to run. I have kids. They're in the middle of their lives, but I didn't have a life. I didn't really have anything to go back to. Um, and then, so I just decided this was going to be my life. And, you know, recovery specifically, like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, wasn't really, it was tremendously helpful for me. That's what the, the program that the uh, treatment center was founded on. But I just sort of knew that I was going to get into spirituality. I didn't know what that meant, really. I had no it wasn't talked about in my childhood. It wasn't subject in school. Um, so I kind of had to go about finding my way through it. And I started meditating a lot. I spent, uh, uh, I, I started getting really into meditation. I used to listen to this teacher, uh, Jay Krishnamurti, who basically, I, I couldn't really understand what he was saying, but what I came out of it with is I should just sit still, <laughs> do anything for periods of time. Yeah. Um, don't try to do anything fancy. Don't just sit there. Yeah. And, and I did that for a while. I was, I was really into it. So I had a kind of a natural draw to it. So, um, after a couple of years of, uh, being in recovery after two years, I, I had a, I had a kind of a next level being ready for me, a package deal. I met my wife and she was into spirituality and she was actively, uh, aware of all sort of all the spiritual teachers. And then my wife came into my life and she, uh, right away, she bought me tickets to meet, uh, to a, to a, a workshop of this one teacher. She had carried books of the other in my, in, with her when she moved into my house and she actually picked the Slocan Valley. It was a, a full package of a life. Um, and I remember I, I went to see, um, my, there are two spiritual teachers who really had an impact on me. And one of them, I went to his work in, in, at UBC and um, he's from Germany. His name's Thomas Hubel. And I looked at him and I remember thinking to myself, this is the first person I've ever seen in my life who really knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Just, just, I looked at him and I knew he knew. 
And I decided that this is, I was going, whatever he told me to do is what I was going to do. And so um, he, in, in terms of consciousness or spirituality, he had one particular focus. And I'll talk a little bit more about that is how I sort of break down consciousness, but he really emphasized, you could say healing or looking at our trauma. And he had a tremendous ability to see people, uh, what they were carrying. Uh, and he, I remember one time I, I put my hand up to look at him and it was as if I'd put the, the ring from Lord of the Rings on and the eye had just turned to me and I was <laughs> It's like I've, I became transparent and this person could see right through me. And I was, I couldn't figure out how that was possible. I remember I was shaking and, uh, he sort of, he, uh, he, yeah, he saw right through me and I thought, wow, this is, this is the kind of power and intelligence that I want to apply myself to. This is what I want to spend my time doing. So, you know, I, I went to, I ended up going to San Francisco to see him again. But really, I was, I knew that I didn't, I was just going to go out and do what he said. He gave me very simple instructions and uh, I just went and applied those. The other teacher that was really important to me is also, um, he's from California, his name's Adi Ashanti, and he teaches the other end of the spectrum. He's not so interested in um, healing specifically, at least that's not the doorway that he, he gets people to go through. He really, his emphasis on consciousness and as a sort of, uh, experience in totality and he comes from a from zen buddhism originally and uses a practice called self-inquiry so you know i had i had my wife i had this she she was my wife now and uh we had this life path together of, of traveling and moving here and i had two sort of teachers with their sort of basic outlook that were helpful. And I just got to it. I just lived my life from a different point of view with a, a really small shift in how I did things that made a tremendous difference. And um, yeah, I can, I could talk about, you know, more about the experiences I've had specifically, but I'll just, um, I'll leave some space for you there. If you yeah, want. sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's very similar to the experience I had in treatment too. I was shunted over to treatment, you know, tw- in 2008. I loved it there. I was just embracing the spiritual part of it. The honesty part was the most freeing aspect, like realizing that I had been lying to myself and I had this reflex of making excuses and justifications and once I started to be aware of that and realize like, I don't need to <clears throat> please anybody or or pretend I'm supposed to be somewhere else or whatever. Just, just, uh, that was the free, the most freeing part was the honesty part of it. So, so it must've been good seeing, you know, meeting those teachers and then that self inquiry you're talking about, which you've already been used to doing after a couple of years in treatment. I mean, you know, well, treatment was a huge advantage because I mean, you know, you know what it's like is it's like, especially AA meetings are like, uh, people just coming over the top to be honest about the most intense stuff. Yeah. Right. And you just get used to a kind of ethic where they, you know, they, you're used to, you just, you just say and do and admit to and feel yeah. very difficult things and you get a lot out of it. And so this ethic of recovery, the kind of intensity or rawness of it was extremely useful to me. You know, yeah. because when I met these teachers and they were talking about, you know, specifically about trauma, I was like, you know, I'm, I, I know what it's like to, to hustle like that. You know, they, in treatment, they give you a kind of a work ethic. 
they, they teach you how to use the truth or honesty as a kind of a work yeah. as activity. And so absolutely, that was very, very useful. And it's interesting to hear people for, like, we're part of these other groups of podcasts and all, all that right now. And it surprises me how many people have been through addiction and, and are opening up to different sort of realities and talking about it. It shocks me how many people. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's, uh, Darren, do you have any questions about, about that or? Well, you, you mentioned it was uh, some small sort of changes in consciousness. Can you kind of elaborate on what those might, what those look like? Cause that's the kind of thing a lot of people are missing is that, you know, if you just change your perception a little bit, shit doesn't seem so bad. Right. Well, it, so there was a one big shift that um, it started kind of like a house fire. You know, a house fire starts with some flames or some big moment and, and continues. And so the first big moment I ever had ended up um, creating a lot of waves in my life for a long time up until right now. Um, and so at the time, and I'll speak to what I sort of experienced and, and why I couldn't really explain, I couldn't talk about consciousness. It was just really clear that something had happened to me. And I spent a lot of time um, in a kind of a personal process that has allowed me to speak more clearly about consciousness. But with everybody, when they start, we all know that we have consciousness, but it, it's very difficult for any sort of person who hasn't been through a process to say clearly what it is from their experience. It's kind of out of focus. It's kind of, it feels like something that's happening, but you know, what does it actually mean for consciousness? So people, as you're saying, you know, if we recognize, if we turn to consciousness, what effect is it going to have on my life? Why would that help benefit me? Well, I was, I wasn't really, I didn't need to know that at the time. I was just all in. I'll talk a little later about how I think it can create change in your life, how I see it now. But I was given a book uh, from this teacher, Adi Shanti, and his method is called self-inquiry. And it's a very ancient and direct way of looking at consciousness. And it's called self-inquiry because what you do is you, is you say, what is it or who is it that is having this experience? And you can eliminate anything that's changing. So, you know, my thought is my thoughts are not continuous. They change, they stop and go. And there's a sort of a flow of thoughts, but they're always changing. So I can't be my thoughts. I can't be my feelings either because they're changing all the time. I can't be my, uh, my body sensations because they're changing all the time. So it's this kind of uh, curiosity about this sense of self. And for the listeners, we're going to do an activity around this at the end um, because this is, this is uh, really important. I think it's the foundation of consciousness. It's the sense of self. Um, and I was reading this book and his method, and it kind of made sense, but not really. You know, I, when he says, um, um, who is it that is having this experience? I was looking and I wasn't really sure. And I was actually walking under the Burrard Street Bridge and just randomly walking along. And I had a very uh, str strong sort of answer to that. I had a, it felt like I actually got hit in the head with um, uh, like a lightning bolt or something like that. There was a very strong experience in my forehead. And I sort of sat kind of where, if you know where the, the little fairies are, the yep. little 
Under boat. under the Bar- Broad Street Bridge in the False Creek there, yeah. Like a boat ferry, right? Yeah. No, like yeah. a ferry, like, ferry. <laughs> Well, there might have been other ferries too, but... <laughs> And, you know, there was, there was, there was energy in my body. There was also some movement and I I knew something was happening, but I didn't know what it was. But what came out of it was a sense of wherever I looked, I remember I looked all across False Creek and the, the things that previously were over there sort of outside, you know, there's, we have this experience of all these things being outside our body. There was nothing outside anymore. Everywhere I looked, there was this inside quality. And it made life really beautiful. It made life tremendously beautiful. And I couldn't, again, I couldn't tell you the time what that meant, but just everything was here. And it was very clear and very alive and very rich. And I actually got on one of the ferries and I was just, I was just overjoyed. I was I've never been happier in my life. And as I got to the other side, I, I got off the ferry onto the dock at, uh, at the market. And I said, I don't want this to ever stop. I, I want to, I want to stay like this forever. And it left. <laughs> and, but it was enough, like even, even beyond, I, I did really didn't understand what it was, but, but everything in me, like started to change. And I mean it when I say like a house fire, like that was a kind of a spark that just created in my, in my body and my emotions and my mental world and my whole experience, a kind of very, continuous process of transformation everything reflected that you know some memories would come up stuff would come up for me i'd start to you know read books about spirituality and and understand elements of them consciousness was becoming sort of unveiled for me um <clears throat> and I, I probably started meditating even more um and what i would say is is that in um what i would say now is what was happening is a tremendous refocusing so that the body and the the emotional world, everything that you call yours or, or yourself, is kind of organized uh, with a level of focus. I'm going to say that for now. And it was a tremendous reorganization because consciousness for me is something that is perceived when you shift your focus. It's really a different way of looking at the same experience. So... Um, you can understand if you take a, uh, a camera lens or something like that and you shift between the foreground and the background. Well, in the foreground of life, we see a sort of material world where I am separate from everything else. Everything is predominantly physical. I feel like an object and I look around me and I see a bunch of objects out there. And this is a kind of, this is like what Newtonianism is. This is what Isaac Newton says is, is physics. And the world's been operating like this is the truth forever, that we're physical objects. We apply force to things. You know, if I want to build a house, I have to hit it with a hammer. That's the world that we experience. So a shift in perception is um, really in everything inside myself, my emotions, my body, my mind, my awareness. Everything shifts, and I don't see a physical world anymore. I, I mean, I still perceive that this microphone is physical if i tap on it my hand's not going to go through it but what ends up happening is that the dominant experience is of a fluid state of energy that everything looks like appears like a fluid state of energy inside the experience of being aware and to have that shift is for me was a, a process of refocus or reorganization the more that i 
turn my attention to it, the more that my whole body moved in that direction. Um, so if you ask a question like, why, why would, why would consciousness help? How would that help me or how would that help the world? Well, the, the really simple answer is, is for me is that there's a second way to perceive reality. Mm. There's a second way to perceive and interact with reality in which the truth is not that we're a bunch of separate physical objects, which we apply force to, but that we are part of a fluid field of energy. So if I live in a material world, I apply force to things like I would, again, if I, my, if I build a house, I have to hit it with a hammer. And so we apply force to all kinds of things in our life. Everything that force doesn't work for is a place where we feel stuck or we're in pain or something's not working. So an example of that is I can't force my feelings, right? I can't force the way I feel about something. <clears throat> I can't force somebody to agree with me. I can't force us to get along. I can't force other people to see my point of view. And we try. We have all kinds of strategies to do that. But ultimately, I have to shift my perception to an experience of consciousness and solve problems at that level. So my take on it is that we, we've moved along this sort of physical experience and we've been tremendously successful. We build bridges, we fly airplanes all around the world, but there's this whole other level of problems that we haven't solved yet. We haven't solved how to sort of love ourselves and love each other, how to be kind, how to um, raise our children without sort of harming them, how to educate people properly in a way that has them feel grounded in their bodies. And there's all these problems we haven't solved yet. And it's because we continue, we've just been really busy at a level of focus. We've been just really engaged with the material aspect of our experience. Is that like an IQ versus EQ sort of thing on a simplified level? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, we, are, we, we have concepts like that there's other kinds of intelligence and we start to notice that the, the rules of those intelligences are different, right? That my emotions don't operate, the intelligence of my feelings, they don't operate in the same way as my rationality. Because there's kind of a different uh, physics that's present. And, and there's my, a lack of nurturing to them in Western society, especially. Absolutely. Or education about them, or, you know, most of us haven't really mastered them until you're 40. Right. It's, a, it's amazing the way that our culture is set up as we have, we educate people in a sort of, um, as if they are in this physical way where the intellect is dominant, because in a physical world, the intellect is your best friend. It's the thing that measures and uh, crafts and comes up with ideas. So, yeah, I'm a product of that. And when I, you know, again, when my father died, no one around me had any strategies or idea how to support me, really. My school, my colleagues, or my, my fellow students, my parents, nobody really had the skill set to see what was going on for me and offer advice. In fact, what they gave me instead was, you know, to, to focus on things that I could do, right? So, with, absolutely, there's a tremendous ignorance in culture about emotion, Um and I consider myself a kind of a, uh, my pain is a product of the fact that my culture didn't really show me a different way. Do you think that manifests physically? And, you know, we also have like the sickest culture. I mean, we got all sorts of problems with, you know, 
vaccines and pharmaceutical medicine and diet and all sorts of other stuff. But it seems like when you look at, I don't know, especially things like cancer, they keep coming around to this thing that, you know, you can't seem to get away from the emotional aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, at this point, I don't see a physical, um, or a physiological, um, reason that anything happens at all. I mean, I don't think any, the reason or cause of anything doesn't start in physicality for me. So we have doctors who keep looking for new molecules or uh, proteins that are causing things. I don't think things are actually caused at the physical level. So, you know, when I look at people who have cancer, they look at it sort of very one-dimensionally, as you're saying, they look at it as that they're having a physical illness because that's how they experience themselves. They experience themselves primarily as physical. But, you know, we can see it again, it's just describing health is not something we've been successful to treat physically. No, you know, allopathic interventions really are preventative. They don't have a solution for preventative medicines and they don't really have a direction for wellness. And so I would see that as a limitation of the physical model, which is why more people, when they get sick, they don't, they don't turn to those, uh, they don't turn to doctors to at least in my world, I, you know, there's lots of places where people turn to doctors. I mean, obviously look at what's going on with yeah. now, but, uh, I should, I should hold my tongue before I speak about that. But, um, yeah, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for people to realize cause and effect and to understand, um, you know, a, a new, a new way of perceiving why things happen and, and what, what those things actually are. And it doesn't have to be an either or sort of thing, right? You don't have to go all in. You can just do all that emotional stuff while you're doing the other stuff, you know, just like don't discount that fact that the more you think it's all crumbling down, the more it's all crumbling down. Right. And the, the shift that I had, the refocusing that I had, didn't have me go and sit in a mountaintop and do nothing. I mean, some people that happens to, but I've had more, I've done more than I ever could before. In fact, my, my life before looked like a bunch of uncompleted projects. What I would say is that once the, there starts to be more flow in your emotional world and in consciousness, motivation shifts, you're able to take on a lot more challenging and rigorous projects. I've, uh, I was able to move, buy a house, uh, have two children. I have fostered a child. I worked in foster care. I was been tremendously productive, the most productive years in my life. And um, none of that I could have done previously. I mean, I was, I was a sort of basket case. So that once there's a more of a sort of life energy in the body, it's amazing what, what people can do. So, yeah, I, I, I am a product of not being able to create that energy to, to do the things that I need to do on my own and needing to turn to consciousness as a way to become more functional, essentially. I think we're missing that as in our society growing up, the whole middle spiritual thing it doesn't have to be a religious spirituality, but we're really being, we're under pressure from, you know, the materialist paradigm really. And we don't have that. Like you were mentioning a couple kids that you knew that were scared of dying. Like they had that whole death trauma thing happening. And it could be from somebody like from what's happening in society right now, or they don't know what's going to happen at the end. Is it just darkness? Is that it? Is that the end? 
But that's a pretty nihilistic way to look at things. I mean, if you go through life thinking that there's more than just physical reality, I mean, once you, which leads me to the, to the question, like once you, you're aware of this or you started to see, let's say the extended consciousness or energy aspect of reality, does that mean that then you can start to manipulate it a little bit or not manipulate, but uh, manifest <clears throat> Well, that's a new reality. You know, I don't want to use the word manipulate because that seems a bit negative, but. Uh, you absolutely can. And um, most of my focus has been kind of deconstructive. What I'm more, what I've been more concerned in myself and with people I work with is I actually believe um, sort of life wants to manifest the best, but we actually have things that are blocking that. Hmm. And um so I, I actually experienced a model of reality that's more like a loaded spring than uh, something that needs to be sort of stoked and encouraged. And a loaded spring, you, I mean, you just, you just move your hand out of the way of it, right? And there it goes. I actually think we're, we're, we're primed for success, for reaching our potential. That's what everything inside of us wants to do. But for a variety of reasons that is kind of locked or, or, or a good word for that is contracted inside ourselves. And so absolutely we can focus on those things. But if, for me, the most important thing is to notice, um, you know, if there's something I really want, am I holding it in an open way? Is it flowing through me or is it contracted? Because I can want to be uh, something great forever, but if I hold it in a kind of a negative way, in a contracted way, <clears throat> it tends to show up in my life that way. And so when you say hold it, you're saying hold it in your vision, hold it in your, in your experience, hold it in your body, like the, in all those ways? All of those ways. Yeah. Absolutely. So for me, most of the work has been to, and what I help people with most of the time is to remove barriers to the manifestation that wants to happen. And they know it wants to happen. That's why they're frustrated in their life. You know, for me, I was growing up, I wanted to be, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something great. Whatever it was, I didn't really care. I just wanted to do something meaningful. I wanted to express, I wanted to live. And, you know, I kept trying to do that and it kept failing. And then essentially what I did differently is I stopped uh, trying to create something new. And I really focused on removing the barriers to that. And then the simple and, things become great. Absolutely. But also that the, the, there becomes a clear, for me, there became a clear pathway to achieving what I wanted. It just kind of all made sense. Opportunities started to arise that were perfect for me, that were developmentally perfect. Consciousness, you could say the way of the world of seeing consciousness is, is very much about creating, but it's also about learning. And to have a shift in consciousness really means a kind of, for me, an openness, which is very uh, pro-learning. And the universe loves to teach you. Consciousness loves to teach you. And so when we talk about, you know, manifesting something along the way there, I know it's going to extract maximum learning value for you. And so there's a kind of, uh, for me, there's a kind of intelligence to know that's where I'm going. And along the way, I'm going to have to keep learning about myself to refine um, so that by the time I get there, uh, I'm ready for it. So then I'm, I'm maturing as I go along. You know, I, I decided when I was in treatment, I just knew I was going to be a spiritual teacher. But the path to doing that has taken me forever and required me to be 
um, tremendously honest and clear about what I'm doing. And um, so if we want to manifest something really wonderful, you know, one way to think about it is we have a lot of responsibility. And I think life looks to match our responsibility with, uh, with teaching and learning. So how do you, how do we, especially now with what's going on? I mean, I've been on an emotional roller coaster. I'm sure everybody is with, with what's happening in the world. I mean, it is pretty difficult to deal with all this. Like how do we shift our consciousness in these times and how can that help us get through this collective trauma or, or, I mean, or what, I mean, I don't even know what the question should be. Like what, you know, do we, I don't know if people even want to, to see a different reality right now. I mean, it's a scary, if you, it's scary if you see a different reality right now. Yeah. And I mean, your listeners and you guys are, you are people who represent being willing to see how the world actually is. Whether we're all accurate about that or not, is not really important whether we know the right stories, but we're willing. That's why people listen to your show is because they're willing to see that there is there's a kind of a, either a dark side or a bright side that they can't see. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that everybody who's listening to this is on board to that to some degree. The question is, um, you know, as you say, where do we look? How do we get started? Like, where do you resist? Where do you go with the flow? I mean, where do you, when do you stand up or do you just disengage? I mean, these are all the questions that, that I'm struggling with personally. Like when, when, you know, how much do you prepare for, you know, moving yeah. to a, moving to a, a more isolated place? Or is that something, or do you just prepare yourself for a couple of years of, of letting go and hunkering down and, and seeing how everything washes out, you know? Right. So, I mean, there's in the, in the occupation that I do, I'm aware that there are many people who have strong opinions about what's coming next. They, for a variety of reasons, whether they refer to the Bible or whether they have their own personal insight, you know, everybody would like to chime in about, many people would like to chime in about what the next thing is that's going to happen. And frankly, I don't know. I think that there are some rules. I think that there are some principles that I could suggest are going to happen. And, um, you know, so I certainly can't tell you where to live or. No, but, um, I guess to discern, to discern, like, how do we go within and discern what is, what is, uh, I mean, maybe that's a start, right? Discerning the truth or what is not true maybe is better. Right. So let's just, let's just jump into a little bit. Let's not even wait to the end if you guys are okay with it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Because I could talk about this a lot, but my favorite thing really is to show people. And then once you get a hang of what I'm talking about, then we can have a different conversation. I don't just have to talk about consciousness, but we can actually look at how it functions and how it feels. So we're going to do a little uh, exercise. And uh, with you two guys, I will use you as my, uh, we'll do it relationally. So I'll ask you questions and then you can tell me what your experience is. So I'm going to say, and of course the listeners, I would love for you to follow along and take this, take this in as much as you can and participate along. So I'm going to say that life is five things. Your life is five things. You see things, you hear things, you think things, you feel emotions, and you feel body sensations. Right? That's your life. 
And we're going to do a little exercise to refocus the way we experience all of these things. We're going to, we're going to do the, the very radical act of recognizing awareness as a pure and open experience that is all-encompassing. So we can start with just with our vision. Um, Graham, you can just name some of the things that you can see. Window. Anymore? Why is this? Why is, why is it so funny? No, I'm just, I'm just having had nothing funny about the okay, okay. window. Just usually people say two or three things. I just oh. or the, the window. <laughs> um, you and uh, a light. Great. So when we when we talk about when I say that there's a physical way to perceive life, notice that what Graham's doing is he's perceiving objects that exist over here and over there. And there's there's me and there's the window and there's a light and there's all these different things. And we're just going to relax our focus. So, Graham, what I want you to do is just um, notice that you can see these things. And I would say the reason that you can see them is because you have awareness. If there was no awareness, you wouldn't be able to see them. Okay. And I want you, instead of describing the things, I want you to describe awareness. Just see what happens when you look to capture and describe awareness. What happened? That's separate. Great. Great start. What qualities does it have? What qualities does the separate thing have? Calm, actually. I mean, just the act of trying to become aware or see the awareness seems to relax. Right. Absolutely. So when I look at the window or the me, I'm, we could say that you're perceiving information, stuff, objects, energy, whatever you want to call it, information. When you look at awareness, what would you describe that as? It's not stuff, really, is it? It's no, it's a- just it's just a an uh, energy, maybe. Right, a calm, maybe a sense of emptiness or blankness. Would you describe it like that? Yep. Okay. So. Um, Darren, if we follow along, you can, I know you're wearing headphones, but you just name some of the things that you can hear. Obviously. You can hear the furnace kicking in. Great. You can hear my voice. I can hear your soothing voice. <laughs> Wonderful. And the same way, you can, you can tune in, you can focus on different things that you are hearing in different places. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go, I'm hearing things. I must be aware of them. If I didn't have awareness, I wouldn't be able to hear them. And I want you to describe awareness. First thing we notice is that awareness is not a sound. What is it? Like a field of influence. Can you say more about that? Uh, It's just kind of like everything within my bubble or my sphere that is able to, that I'm able to discern or categorize. Right. So what you're saying is that when you look for awareness, you, you become aware of a sense of a, of a bubble of experience. Is that right? Yeah. Or more of a field field. Correct. Cause they can cross 
cross each other and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And so it, would you say awareness is not a sound? Does that sound true? Yes. Great. So I would say I hear noises. I hear my voice, my, my soothing voice, or however it is to you listeners. And the furnace, awareness to me is like a silence. It's like a receptive silence. An empty space, quiet. And without Blaze's voice changing or the furnace stopping, now I'm aware of silence. I'm aware of a kind of empty silence. And uh, Graham, if we come back to you, we can do the same thing with your thoughts. You don't have to share your thoughts on uh, streaming radio right now, I will, but you notice that you have thoughts and you can connect with them, right? And we're going to do the same thing. I'm having thoughts. I must be aware of them. That's why I can hear them. And I turn my attention to awareness itself. And how is awareness different from a thought? It's, uh, it's um, observative. <clears throat> Great. Absolutely. Right. If that's a word. Not. You know what I mean, though? It's not. All kinds of observational. Evolved. It might be. I mean, you went to a different <laughs> school than me. So, I mean, clearly you guys have different rules. <laughs> They have all kinds of fancy terms for it in, in Eastern religions, but they, the observer yeah. is what they call it. They would call it the observer or they call it the witness. Yeah. There's a sense like I'm detached, I'm witnessing life. Yeah. yeah. Is, that the, is that the same like analogy of when you tell someone to like, you know, what are you thinking about or whatever? And they're like, well, I'm thinking about this. And then you're like, well, is that you? And they're like, well, yeah. And then you're like, well, who's listening? Exactly. There? Exactly. That's exactly what. So when you were talking earlier about the awareness and how you, I was thinking back to the mindfulness, you know, the Buddhist mindfulness meditation that really flipped a switch in me. And I remember lying on the couch and doing it. And it was that point when it's like, I'm not my thoughts. When I started to be able to watch my thoughts, that I'm not those thoughts. I'm aware. I'm separate from my thoughts. It's not me. I'm the awareness behind them. Right. Right. You guys have some experience with this. We can just keep jiving on this. This is great. And you notice that it creates, I'm feeling in all of us, there's a sense of relief that comes with that, isn't there? Yeah. Like a pressure has been released. Yeah. Because awareness, you can notice for yourself, awareness isn't under any pressure. Right. Awareness is the experience of no pressure. Right. And the more I give my attention to that, the more relaxed I feel. It's a, it's a good place to go. It's a place of relief. And the gaps between the thoughts will increase. And people say they can't slow their mind down. They can't meditate. I'm just thinking, 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 but it will slow down. If you start Sometimes watching. Sometimes I have it, trouble getting it, it going. Yeah. If you start. <laughs> you're just, it's, there's just slow, slow down the whole day. <laughs> so Graham, we'll, we'll talk, when you talk about this slowing down, um, I think I would describe that as one of the rules, one of the physics of consciousness. Yeah. And we'll go back more to that, but that's really important to me that you notice that awareness, relaxation actually has an effect on life. It's not, it's, even though it's detached, it feels like it's sort of yeah. in the world that somehow it's affecting me, my thoughts, my feelings. It's having an effect on me. That to me is the, the most important thing that I have to share with anybody. Wow. Is 
And we'll talk more about that. So if we just keep... Darren, you have a question? Well, that's got to be getting worse when we're staring at fucking Twitter <laughs> just all getting, day. I or, mean, yeah, like, or just stuck in your head thinking, 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 well, right? Yeah, I mean, you're stuck absolutely. thinking and you're addicted to information at the same time. Absolutely. So in, in traditional Buddhism, they would say, basically, life is going in two directions. It's either going like this or it's going like this. Meaning, I'm either, I'm either letting go or I'm accumulating more things. Those are the two directions of consciousness. And you're absolutely right. We can begin to see there's, there are here, we're feeling two directions. One, I'm moving in a direction towards release, relaxation, expansion. And then the other, when I just am addicted to information, I'm storing stuff. I'm becoming denser. I'm weighing myself down. And we feel that. We feel that after we get in an argument with someone and we're carrying it. It doesn't feel good. But if we have a moment, uh, even a quiet moment, and we're not carrying so much, we feel better, right? So if we go a little further, Darren, and we just we went from a mind to just notice that you can feel your body. And I would say that your body is information. And you can just notice that in terms of sensations, you can, f- you can perceive information. I'm cold. I should have brought my robe. Right. It's a great example. And again, you are aware that you're cold. If you weren't aware, you wouldn't know. And you can focus on awareness. And how is awareness different than a cold body? I'd be more interested in how I can change my awareness and not be cold. Right. Is awareness cold? No. (laughs) We're off to a good start. So now your experience is two parts. On one hand, you're cold. And on the other hand, you can't be cold. Does that sound true? Kinda. Okay. That's a tougher one to... Okay. Just, just if you come back to the sense of awareness, is awareness, we, we, you said this already, but is awareness cold? No. Could you imagine awareness getting cold? Well, I could imagine it getting cold and then getting warm, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I could. No, I, no, I can't. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it for there. Another way, and we'll make a big uh, important leap here, is for both of you guys, you can notice that awareness also feels like I am. Would you say that's true? When I contact awareness, it feels like I am. Yep. Being. And we, we, over, we, we, um, we, we skip past this because we're busy just exactly what Darren said. We don't want to be cold. We want to do something to not be cold. And obviously, I'm not saying don't put on a sweater, just sit there. But we're really focused on information. We keep contracting our focus to deal with things. I got to go do something. And every time we do that, we tend to, unless we have practice, unless we're really intentional, we tend to move away from awareness. Or you could say we tend to move away from ourselves and become focused on the information that we perceive. Makes sense. So what we're doing right now is we're doing what they would call therapeutically is pendulating. So it's like a pendulum. As you practice at first, you move between the stuff that I'm experiencing and awareness. We just practice this over and over again. My thoughts awareness, my feelings, awareness, my body awareness. And more and more, we get access to the space of being aware. 
Self-inquiry really starts off when we say, what am I? What we're really supposed to find, the object that we're supposed to find is awareness, the sense of being. We realize that's what's consistent in my experience. Whether I'm hot or I'm cold, no matter where I am, it's the sense of being aware, this I am, which is actually really living my life. Oh. Is there a fifth one for me? Could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate your enthusiasm. So you can feel your emotions. You just see right now how you feel emotionally. And actually, I'm pretty calm. I know. Great. Maybe I should have done the emotional one first. But yeah, we can. I all can the just focus on awareness has calmed me down. I just, I can just trigger and say, you know, they, <laughs> uh, you, I can't think of I can look at my phone for a second, then I'll tell you what. Yeah, anyways. So, but listeners, everybody, Darren. You just notice how I feel emotionally, and it could be happy, anxious, doesn't matter. And I become aware of that feeling. Obviously, there's awareness. Otherwise, I wouldn't have be aware of my feelings. And I focus on awareness. And I notice however I feel, awareness is not a feeling. Yeah. It's not unstable. It's not changing. It's not reactive. It's eternally peaceful and quiet. And just to both of you, if I, as we've been sitting here with this kind of focus on awareness, um, and Graham, you spoke about it, how is this affecting your body, your mind, your emotional world? I feel relaxed or calm, just, yeah. I do. Yeah, it's definitely almost like a chill sort of prelation almost feeling, you know? Prelation, is that a word? I can make up words too. <laughs> you have to explain the word though. Yeah. No, well, elation's like that feeling when they play the little video with the kid whose dad surprised him when he comes home from the war, you know what I mean? He shows up in his class and everyone gets that same feeling in their chest and there's sort of that weird no way to sort of describe it. Uh-huh. I've heard it described as elation. Did you feel it in your chest? Well, it's the same. the 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 way uh, Blaze des- described it as a lightning is very, very apt as well. Right. That's a good point. I can feel energy as well. When I close my eyes to feel the calm, I can feel a. So the further we do this, both of you guys are you're demonstrating my my thesis. My main pitches is we are we are choosing to refocus our consciousness, and life is moving from being more physical. We're noticing more of a sense of energy, of flow. We can feel pressure or density or relaxation more. We become more aware of this other level of change that we tend to act on top of in our life, right? Yeah. If I'm a construction worker, it's not really relevant to my craft, um, whether I feel elated or relaxed or open. Um, I'm being paid to build a house in a certain period of time, and so it's not relevant. So we don't put our focus on it. Traditionally, we have not put our focus on this. But the three of us are sitting here, we're putting our focus on it, and it's changing or transforming our experience. Just from focus. So if somebody comes to you and you're on the, you know, the feeling part, 
and they're full of anxiety or resentment or frustration. Um, Fear. Do you, do you transmute that energy somehow into your body or into another, uh, or, or just the act of observing it through awareness is, is, an, is enough to lessen it? Right. Well, before, before I answer that, I want to say that we're starting to, or as part of my answer, we're starting to get a contrast. We're, we're getting a window into a contrast between things that feel more tight or contracted and things that feel more open. Mm. Awareness is my sort of barometer for openness. Because if we just look, we see there's no contraction or tightness in awareness. So now I have a contrast. I can feel in my body things that are tight relative to awareness. So for example, fear, I could feel in my body that I had a fear maybe in my, in my chest or in my, in my belly. And what I would notice if I stayed with awareness, if I was being aware is that it would feel tight. My body feels tight. And so it doesn't feel good. And the first thing that we want to do is we want to stop. So the old way of making our feelings stop of being fear is to apply some sort of force to distract ourselves, to take a pill, to eat something, to tell somebody to shut up. We use another form of contraction and tension to help us manage the tension that we already have. Now we have two tensions, right? Now we're depressed and we're drunk. <laughs> now we're, now we feel bad about the fact that we got fired and we're angry at our partner or whatever it is. We've, we've created more tension. And so that doesn't work. We try it as much as we, we will all try it until we don't anymore, but it doesn't work to solve those problems like anxiety or fear, uh, clearly on the level of using force. If you distract yourself, your fear is still going to come back at some point. We all know this. So as you say, what is the other way? Well, my physics for consciousness is the same as if you were to have a... Um, compressed gas in a chamber like imagine a propane tank so everything that we don't like in my opinion is in the state of contraction so if i want to release propane out of a propane tank i would just take the lid off of it i don't have to ask or apply force it's going to move from higher pressure to lower pressure right that's what it wants to do it it's actually seeking uh, a kind of release into a, in a less pressure. And I would say that our feelings are too. I would say all the feelings that we're carrying, everything in, in our emotional world is actually seeking release. It's seeking relief. So the, the trick is that to learn, just as I'm trying to manage my feelings through a kind of contraction, is to do the opposite. It's to actually open the door. It's to relax. And the, the way that I can relax is becoming aware of awareness. So whether you're having a feeling now that's uncomfortable or pleasant, it doesn't really matter. Just see if you can feel your feelings at the same time that you feel awareness and observe what happens. Feels to dissipate a little bit. Yeah. At least whether it moves or not, we can feel that there's space to. If I asked you, Graham, how much space is there in awareness? How it's big is it? Infinite, it feels like. 
Is there enough space for our fear and our anger there? Yeah. Right. So it's a very, very big space. So what I, the primary thing that I teach people is essentially how to apply awareness to their life and to their bodies. Um, everything that we carry, whether it's our trauma or our habits or whatever, whatever pain or limitations we, call, we have, they're all in a state of contraction. That's why, we, that's why they're not functional. That's why they're not very flexible. That's why they're repetitive. That's why they don't feel good because they're in a state of kind of a stored, compressed or contracted state. My solution to that is to introduce an infinite space for them to relax into. Yeah, that's very interesting. I had a visual representation of that. Not pulling, let's say, that emotion into awareness, but letting it dissipate in, and it just dissipates into, you know, right. into nothing. And at first you say, like, well, like, what's the doing? What's the action, right? What's the, we're used to, we're supposed to do something. We're supposed to forgive ourselves or tell ourselves that we love ourselves, tell ourselves that it's okay. Um, you know, we're supposed to do something. That's what we're used to. Um, but the the action in consciousness, it's a it's different. The physics, productivity, work, all the things that we do so well physically, they're it's very different in consciousness. The primary, the the sole form of productivity is relaxation in consciousness. Soul as in S-O-U-L? The only. Oh single way in which things really change in consciousness or things get done work gets done is through relaxation mm. and so we could begin to get glimpses of this here between us with a single feeling um and you sort of go oh actually that works and the guy's saying something that actually works and it's really not that hard and means that i don't have to be in conflict with myself i don't have to argue with my feelings I don't have to argue with my fear. And just, we won't belabor this too much, but before we go on, just see what is awareness's attitude about your body? Just see, how does it, what's its, um, how does it treat you as a body? You get a sense of that? That's a hard one for me. My attitude? I feel, no, like, in your body, in your body, right? Imagine again, right now, you, you feel your body, you look at awareness and you see what's a, how does awareness relate to my body? How does it treat me as a body? Awareness thinks I'm sexy. Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. Awareness thinks whatever you're doing is you are the greatest thing that ever happened. It's refreshing. Yeah. So I'm trained as a therapist and, and most people what they wished they, their, 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 their whole body is structured because they didn't get that in their childhood from their parents and their world, from their environment. Mm. They really wanted that. They, you could say they needed it and they continue to look for it in relationships. They continue to look for it in something that someone's going to say, or that they'll say to themselves they keep looking for the perfect parent in the field of information. 
right? We get into this relationship and we hope that this person is going to do something. I'm going to perceive some information that's going to make me feel like I'm okay. And what I, what's very important is to realize this refreshing, very, very refreshing ability to do that unconditionally for myself right now. I don't need to accomplish anything. I don't need to change. I don't need to, you know, stop being a jerk, whatever it is that I'm doing. Awareness is unconditional love and acceptance. Mm. Every moment of the day has awareness. Therefore, it is possible to experience unconditional love and acceptance all the time. Just see what, how your body, your mind would respond to that sort of support, that sort of consistency, care. This explains why you're meditating or in the flow state of something that you're not worried about your emotion or your body or anything. You're not thinking about that. If you're, you know, playing music or in a sport or whatever it is that gets you in the moment, so in the moment that all you're just pure awareness then, I guess. Right. Right. All that other stuff is, is the subconscious is working the program in the back you're doing what you've practiced doing for 10,000 hours or whatever, and you're just full awareness into the moment. And I know you play, play hockey, but loving something that you do, like really from the, from the standpoint of your body, just being totally absorbed in it and, and awareness, they kind of have the same attitude, right? They're, they're, they're pretty much the same thing. And um, the only thing is that when we're playing hockey or something, we're really absorbed more in the information. That flow state is happening, but we're still really busy. This is slightly different because I'm turning to awareness in a way. Um, I'm making it my sole object of attention. I'm yeah. making it most yeah. important right. in my life. Absolutely. That's why people love art and music and because the, it gives them access to a, a kind of a continual yes for their creativity. Right. So when you, you ask about manifestation, I mean, that is a very creative space, a space where you're sort of unconditionally supported to be yourself. That is a creative space. And so when we look to like, what do I want to do with my life? How do I want to, who do I want to be? More and more we are acting kind of a flow. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. Bingo, bango. Huh. The next thing you can notice, and um, I won't take you too far, but if you just look around you, just at everything around you, you might notice, you might be able to see that everything that you see is actually inside the experience of being aware. Again, you couldn't see me if you didn't have awareness. You wouldn't be able to see the computer or the opponents on the other team or the cars that you drive by, your partner, your wife, your husband, it's because they're inside the experience of being aware. Mm-hmm. So if we take this a little bit further, we can realize everything we experience is actually inside of our awareness. And everything is, I mean, you could go somewhere else where, you know, like what about the astral? What about the stuff you can't physically experience, right? All of it's inside of awareness. Yeah. That's my experience. So <clears throat> this is it. When I told you the first time I ever had experience, it was like everything was here. 
I would just look over it again, the, the false Creek in Vancouver. And it was like, it was here and I couldn't really tell you what was happening, <clears throat> but it was a shift in focus to, um, to this state of awareness that has everything is inside of awareness, right? Your thoughts, your feelings, the things you see and hear, all of these are inside. And right now, as you're listening to me, I know that you are refocusing, you're shifting your perception to see if that's true. A refocusing is happening. And just ask yourself, have I ever experienced anything outside of my awareness? Do you think that causes some confusion in a world where we're getting information from outside of awareness, like beamed in all over the place all the time? Like that, it seems like it's got to cross some wires. Well, this, this creates a lot of confusion because it shifts the way we experience reality. Confusion and what is he talking about? And is that true? And it's all a part of this refocusing. But I would, I would question that when things beam in, um, I don't think they're actually outside of awareness. That's not my experience. Right now, I am beaming in from the Silicon Valley. Can you say that uh, I am outside of your awareness? No, but I know that when I pick up my phone and open Twitter, something that wasn't in my awareness is going to cr crawl its way in, and I'm going to wish it never did. Right. Yeah, I understand that. Which is kind of unprecedented in human history, probably, you know. I thought you Up meant the actual now. physical EMF waves, that kind of thing. No. Beaming in. I wasn't going that far down the rabbit hole. There's a couple different, there's a couple different question, questions there that I see. One is, um, what do we do in a world that is so information-driven in which we're actually connected to, you know, we used to live in small villages, and maybe we'd have a, you know, maybe we'd have a piano or something, and that would be our craft and now we have the internet and we can choose to be or do anything. We can listen to what anybody has to say at any moment. There's a tremendous amount of information in the world. And, and um, how do we stay focused on ourselves, or how do we ground ourselves, or be um, make sense of a world that seems to be kind of getting very big, an experience that's getting very big? Um, does that sound like one of the questions you were asking? Yeah, kind of. I'm kind of relating it back to a quote I seen a while back that was overstimulation is not awareness. And, um, you know, I think that we're kind of seeing the results of a perpetual state of overstimulation. Right. And, and that was awareness in a different context, but it he, still applies. Yeah. yeah. It, it is. And, and my solution to that is like, you know, obviously you have both of you have chosen not to disconnect yourself from the world. As challenging as it is, you still look, you still want to know. I mean, you, you might cringe before you look to see what's happening in the United States politically every day, but you look, you, some part of you cares and wants to know. And I would say that it's not a really viable solution for most of us to tune that out. I think what is a viable solution is for us to get better at processing information. And if you just look to awareness right now and just see how, how would I gauge awareness's ability to tolerate information? Can awareness tolerate information? Yes. So it's, it's, it's discerning it, tolerating it, not attaching yourself to it, observing it without, with, yeah. you know, non-attached appreciation. 
Yeah. And actually, and here's where I take a bit of a radical step. So, um, this is where I get, this is what I'm most excited about. And I hope it makes sense. So right now we've said, look, if you, if we feel our bodies, if we feel our emotions from awareness, relaxation happens, change happens. I observe that I was afraid and now I feel calm. Something has happened. Being aware is productive. So I don't distinguish the things that are inside my body and the things that are outside. I truly believe that awareness changes all information in the same way. Whether it's a text from someone else, whether it's some person on the other side of the world, if I am aware of it, the same process is happening. It's universal. So right now, I am inside of your awareness. If you could feel, if you were able to feel, have empathy for me, for example, to have a sense of how I feel or some, if I shared some hardship, if you could experience that at the same time as you're aware, you would change my life in the same way that you change your life with your fear. So this interconnectedness is actually, for me, is a tremendous possibility for us to be very productive. I'm just I'll pause to see if does that make what I'm saying makes sense to you? Yeah, in a way, it's what uh, Jamie Janover just said about um, when you're in your higher vibration, when you're experiencing that higher vibration and you would connect with somebody else, you may help create that higher vibration in them. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's what I'm, um, I'm a somatic therapist and my job is people have feelings and my job is essentially to feel them with them. And people, that's part of my job, obviously teaching people about consciousness and helping them to connect to awareness and all of these other things is a part of my job. But I'm trained to feel with people. So somebody has an overwhelming feeling and my job is actually to feel it with them. And all day long, I experience myself feeling people's pain or desires and that strengthening this physics, this actual physics of change, transformation of expansion actually increases and so I'm very familiar with this. So at first it feels a little maybe strange to consider that something over there could be changed from here, right? How could, you know, something on the other side of the world or the other side of the room be affected by me? Well, I would say it's actually being affected by awareness. And just see the thing that's on the other side of the room. Is it outside of my awareness or is it inside my awareness? Yeah. Very interesting. So that is that where it kind of departs from a lot of the Buddhist type type stuff? Cause I know I've done quite a few meditations where, you know, you're, you know, saying affirming meta meta meditations that, you know, you're responsible for your reality and I'm not responsible for you. I'm responsible for me, that kind of stuff. Um, very much saying like, Hey, I can't control your reality. I can't do anything, but this seems, yeah. it seems to step over that a little bit. It does. Well, there are really good reasons to help people with that. There are really good reasons to tell people what you just said. Yeah. Really good reasons to strengthen a sense of me being actually separate from you. Yeah. I do this professionally. Yeah. That's different than some guy on the street yelling at me and me feeling like it's my responsibility to solve his problems. So often what we have in ch in children is that our 
our relationships confuse us and sort of distort our sense of self as a, as a body and confuse the way that we perceive information from the outside. So there are lots of good reasons to tell people to actually strengthen their strengths, their sense of self. But you will find that if you do that, a strengthened sense of sense of self, a strengthened ability to be in your body and to, to actually feel yourself and not leave your body, not to be overwhelmed and, and sort of spill out everywhere, that will actually create more ability to feel other people, to create more ability to process other people's experience and to relate to them. So um, Buddhism is a, is a very large and very old thing. I certainly can't speak to Buddhism. What I could speak to is what I would like to see as a, as a world moving forward. Every person that we know works hard. Even if they're a bum on the street, they're very active, right? Whatever they're doing, whether they're shutting down or whether they're producing a lot, people are trim- love to work. They're very, very active. They're always engaged in something. <clears throat> and we all agree that um, we work hard to have a mortgage or pay our bills or pay taxes or be fire people or whatever it is that we do. We all have an agreement as a culture that we're going to work together. And obviously, when it comes to certain things, that agreement breaks down. When it comes to certain contentious issues or within a marriage, that working relationship breaks down. Um, That's because it feels like if you get what you want, I'm not going to get what I want. It feels like uh, if I want a chocolate bar and you want a chocolate bar and there's only one chocolate bar, then we're going to have to compromise. I might not get what I want. So in that world, we see a scarcity of what we want. We see a scarcity of um, stuff that we need, whether it's emotional stuff or physical stuff. And we're all fighting it out for our piece of the scarcity of resources that we want. That's how we experience ourselves now. And I... That's true physically. That's how we experience it. If somebody drank my glass of water, I wouldn't be able to drink it. And I would ask them not to. But in consciousness, there is no scarcity. There is only more or less flow. There's only more or less um, expansion. And so what I am interested in creating is a world in which we contribute to the shared field, which all exists within our awareness. And in that field, if a person that I, you know, that is very angry, um, if they are very angry and they stay angry, that affects my world. And so if I were to feel someone else, it wouldn't be because um, I'm sort of selflessly serving them, but because they're inside my experience. And I have just as much of a right to transform my experience as they do. We're all sharing the same experience. And we all have a right to um, apply our state of consciousness. We all get to do that. So in a world where there are people advocating for all kinds of different things, I get to feel that whole world. Right now, I feel when I look at the election, when I see how upset people are, when I see my neighbors talking, I get to choose what kind of relationship I have to that tension. And after all the years of my own personal process, I have decided that I'm going to choose to feel that because I want it to transform. I want it to change. And I know that that's possible. 
And I know that there are many people doing it. And I think what that's going to lead us to is that we are going to um, when i when I found my way, when I discovered consciousness, it wasn't necessarily because I discovered it on my own. When I talk about that spiritual teacher seeing through me, I believe honestly that he contributed to my experience, that by actually seeing what was going on for me and knowing me, being able to look at me and identify what was going on with me, he allowed me to see deeper into myself than I've ever seen. So it's not so much about taking on people's feelings, but creating the ability for other people to maybe see themselves in a different way, to be able to move with things that they've been stuck with. I mean, the people in the world that are violent or angry, they're stuck. These are people that are stuck. And they, these aren't people that we can go and tell them. We can't tell them that they're stuck. We can't tell them that they are, uh, that they need to change, but we can begin to actually feel with them and help them to see what they're carrying. And I don't recommend this for anybody. This just happens to be my job. And I see it as a future that's possible for humanity in which we can use our consciousness to support each other. Because we know that we, we will grow a, a shared pie. So when you are feeling fear or anxiety as you were, and I am able to provide awareness and that transforms your experience, that's, the world is a better place for me too. My world is a better place. Yeah, it's good advice right now, especially. I mean, if we can look at the, all the people in the store with scared of the Rona and the, and the, have the masks on and we're, um, or the masks off and they're scared or whoever, whatever, maybe practice that. I mean, as in, Darren, do you want to jump in? No. I just want to say, you know, I'm, I'm really used to crisis creating change. I mean, I think that's what addiction is. Yeah. Addiction is you hit a wall and that creates a new life for yourself. That creates a new way to perceive reality. A one that you probably wouldn't have been through if you hadn't hit rock bottom. You know, I might've tried to just hammer it out for the rest of my life. Like my yeah. father, for example, had I not crashed so hard, I'm super fortunate to have failed in a way where I knew that I failed. Yeah. I knew that I failed. When I look at the world that we're in, we're, we've been pretending that we're successful and that it's working out for a long time. It's not so bad, really. If we fail, it's scary. I'm sure my mom was very scared when I was an addict and I'm right before I was in treatment. For people who are witnessing, it's very scary. But in the world, for me, I think this crisis is an opportunity to shift gears. Yeah. We can't vote our way out of it. You can't hide somewhere. You can't just hope that you have a clean source of water and you're going to ride it out. We're, we're just all, we're stuck here. And that doesn't feel good. But if you have experienced in yourself sort of uh, a rebirth and you know this potential of consciousness it seems like the most likely potential for me it seems like the way that we're going to at least most of us are going to move through this good point here's hoping here's hope i mean that is a better way to handle it no matter what happens if you can kind of resist less i guess i mean because that was my pile of questions at the beginning is is all these choices what do we do how do we go through this time, you know, I guess through awareness is the best way. Well, I mean, we can, we can begin to reevaluate the way we make choices. So again, I can't tell you what choices to make, but the ground that we make them on mm -hmm. 
So we can begin by knowing that I am, if our sense of self more and more rests as awareness, more and more we feel unconditionally okay. That's what I was going to get at. Yep. I'm okay right now. I may, there may be fear, there may be anxiety, but I'm not my fear and anxiety, as you've said. I'm okay. Okay. So now I'm a little bit grounded. I'm moving at a slower rate, and my choices will reflect that I have enough time and space. Trauma gives people the experience, or is described as not enough time and space. So if I'm acting from my trauma or I'm, I live in a traumatized world, you will always see there's not enough time and space. So as I begin to connect with awareness, I slow down and suddenly I get, a, I get access to an infinite space that is timeless. Now my choices reflect a higher reality. I won't choose things that come from trauma so much, I will more and more make choices that reflect and will move me towards higher consciousness. This contrast between contraction and expansion is how I would suggest we can learn to navigate our life. If it feels like this, where is it going to take us? If it feels contracted, where is it going to take us? You know, when you that, think about the, the hundred times you've told that person, yeah, well, you're a such and such and you should shut up and you know you know where that takes you right you after a while you go maybe there's probably there's got to be another way to do it right so we know we get to be we can do experiments but when we act from contraction but when we sort of believe our fear you could say or scarcity or stuff that that will lead us kind of to more stuff we will continue to have to learn the lesson of doing something different so if we can begin to use awareness as a kind of a, a compass that allows us to gauge decisions that we make, is this in kind of a harmony with awareness? Is it moving me more towards relaxation or is it moving me less? So a good example of that, Darren, is if I just stay glued to the presidential election 24 hours a day and I don't sleep, is that moving me more to a sense of relaxation, or is it moving me less? Is the stimulation that I'm taking, is that creating, is it moving me more towards the state of infinite time and space, or is it moving me away? Is life taking me to myself, or is it taking me away from myself? Yep. Yeah, that's good. I like it. You gotta stay in the moment. Wow. That's a great place. An hour and a half has flown by and a fantastic and I think a uniquely timely show. I just want to offer to all the people that <clears throat> are listening, if this is interesting to you, um, I have made a series of exercises, just like the one we did today, which are designed to create um, a state of consciousness, which um, feels like uh, a marriage between this energy and this awareness. It creates a state of flow, a state of presence that will move you towards being able to recognize consciousness. Um, I'll send them to, I think I've actually probably already sent them to you guys, but I will link them so that you guys can try them if you're interested and let me know how it goes for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like the practical application of this stuff because I've, I've, I mean, I've experienced it myself on the couch lying there doing these long meditations and something clicked. 
Like, right. I like, I like, you know, these new processes that we can try to follow that very right. practical. I'm, I'm telling you after all my experience, this is just my personal experience, that there's nothing more practical or productive than consciousness. It may not seem like that. It may seem like it's out of the way of paying your bills or getting your, you know, your kids fed or whatever you have to do. But my experience is that all of those things are actually affected by our state of consciousness, affected by awareness. And we can learn to live in a world in which we value both our responsibilities as human beings, our, the way we talk to people, the things that we do, um, going to work, but also being aware and start to get a sense that we're being productive kind of in two dimensions at the same time. That while we're handling our worldly life, we're also changing our state of consciousness, and that's having an effect on our life. So that's my invitation is for everybody listening, whether you're doing it or not already, um, is to consider that you could add this dimension to your life, and it would be the, the piece that helps the problems, the things that don't work, that you can't work your way through, helps make those start to shift. Awesome. And then, so how else can people get a hold of you? They can, I'll put links to that in the show notes and uh, you have a website too, right? Yeah, I have a website right now. And I, right now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, expanding. I'm looking to, to expand my career. So I have a lot of time to just give to people. So if anybody wants, they can apply on my website to have a free session with me. Oh, and, I was going to say, so we can do one-on-one with you. Yeah. I, I work with people one-on-one and I also work with some small groups. Um, and, um, but what I really recommend is if it's interesting to you, try the exercises that I've said, if that, if that's really interesting to you, then send me a message and we can, uh, or uh, there's an application form on my website that you can fill out okay. with me. Um, I love, I, I would be thrilled if you sent me a message or an email or you texted me, please don't hesitate whether you like what I say or not. I, I just want to get in the game. Awesome. It's been fun, man. It's been very informative too. And yeah, I was great chat. It. Yeah. Hopefully Thanks. some of our listeners will track you down. Yeah. And uh, that you can help them along their path. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. And just for everybody, remember, awareness is always there. That's what yeah. makes it possible. And all you have to do is want to know that. All you have to do is want it to be a part of your life and it will show up. And Thanks. change. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Keep in touch. Thanks, Blake. Have okay. a great Christmas. Yeah. Too. Happy holidays. And that was our chat with Blake Kennedy. Which Blaze, Blaze Kennedy. I kept thinking Blake. I don't know why I couldn't get that out of my head. That's uh, great, man. It was good. It really resonated with me. Did it? Oh, yeah. This is good. I'm glad. Yeah, it's it's reminded me of uh, the good old days. What Jamie Janover was saying oh, too, though, about about how he gave us that practical you know, reason why we have to resonate at a higher level, you know, it just resonates. Cause it makes the world a better place. Yeah. Like physically, yeah. eventually. But you know what else physics. makes the world a better place other than people like uh blaze and, and uh, Jamie, Jamie. donating to the show. Donating to the show. <laughs> <laughs> America.ca slash support. There is this, you know, I, I jest, but there does seem to be this little, this little, Subtle effect that happens when you support the show and your karma goes up and things just start looking a little brighter because you're part of this this great community that supports the Grammarica show 
And uh, yeah, and it helps keep the lights on. Because we can't do it without you. We can't do it without you. I mean, literally, if there wasn't a bunch of you supporting us, we wouldn't exist. So it's like, this were the manifestation. And it's not about us even. It's about people like Blaze and all the people we just give the platform to. Oh, it's totally not about us. It's just for the guests and the listeners. It's just a platform. We like to bring you guys fresh ideas. Provide space. Provide some space to think about some things maybe you haven't uh, thought about b- before and provide some, some some space to support that if you like to over at slash support. If you find yourself financially challenged, of course, there's a bunch of ways to support the show that don't cost anything. You can review the show, uh, rate the show, share the show, sign up for the newsletter. Send Graham some stories, some stories, feedback. Synchros, feedback. Tell us we suck. Tell us we're great. Whatever you want to tell us. Uh, America dot, or all that other stuff is in the show notes all the time everything's always in the show notes you can figure out how to do everything over in the show notes check that shit out do all that stuff tell your friends about this shit and uh, just be kind to each other love each other make space for each other be aware that you know everyone's might be freaking out and uh, just you know be a little easy on them Turn the other cheek, maybe, if you can. Anyway, we love you. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. I'm walking gingerly through the rat race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves, oh how they navel gaze. Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill, I pass by, and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric avenue. The people are predictable, they say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me. And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream Forever young with no chronology Thousand years from now We'll be written into ancient mythology We go into hyperdrive Turn into a beam of light Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably The air is crystal clear Please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place A little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul Take a look at the big old smile on my face As my angel says dance with me and your life will never ever ever be told I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light 
turn into a beam of light, 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 turn into a beam of light. What? <laughs>